more than 20 years, I'd seen up close how Wall Street manipulates government, the revolving door, the shared mindset, how siding with the establishment is almost always the best career move. I had started my career on Wall Street before moving to Washington in 1987 to work on Biden's first presidential campaign. I had worked on Capitol Hill and walked by Wall Street lobbyists camped in the hallway. As a lawyer in the White House, I'd personally seen President Bill Clinton steamrolled by Wall Street and by its biggest booster, the most Machiavellian of United States Senators, Chris Dodd, circa 1995. Dodd had led Congress to overturn President Clinton's veto of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act, which he and the Republicans had drafted to gut the class action securities fraud laws. It was the only Clinton veto given the back of the hand by two-thirds of Congress, and it was my first taste of how Wall Street had come to own Washington. I understood Wall Street's methods of seducing senators, members of Congress, and regulators because I'd done it myself as a lobbyist. After I left government, I practiced appellate litigation, but soon drifted into a legislative and regulatory law practice with Jack Quinn, former White House counsel, and before that, Vice President Al Gore's chief of staff. A few years later, Jack and I co-founded Quinn Gillespie and Associates with Ed Gillespie, former House Majority Leader Dick Armey's communications director and later chairman of the Republican National Committee. It went on to become one of the most successful and profitable bipartisan public affairs firms in Washington. For 12 years, I developed and implemented legislative and regulatory campaign strategies for corporate clients, including broker-dealers, banks, accountants, insurance firms, and Silicon Valley. During my years as a lobbyist, I made a big pile of money, enough to have a house in Georgetown, a speedboat on the Chesapeake, and soon, I hoped, an oceanfront home in Costa Rica. For Biden people, whose hopes had been crushed during the primary season, the 2008 Democratic Convention was surreal. After all those decades, all those conventions Biden had attended, all the work we had put into two presidential campaigns for naught, and then Barack Obama wakes up one day and says to Joe, you're going to be the vice presidential candidate. The night of Biden's acceptance speech, the convention suite was a scene of triumph for Biden's family and longstanding supporters. All of a sudden, Joe Biden, Jill, their children Bo, Hunter, and Ashley, and their families were all on the stage. It was the party of a lifetime. Outside the convention hall, fewer were celebrating. In fact, the festivities were about to end. After a summer of Lehman Brothers executives publicly assuring investors that their company was sound, the end came. On September 15, 2008, Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy, causing the Dow to plunge. My conversation in Costa Rica hit me like an anvil. The developer clearly had been right, apparently privy to inside information that should have been shared with the world. How could that have happened? In hindsight, I wish he'd reached across the dinner table, grabbed me by the lapels, and said, I know you just met me, but think hard about this. I just came back from meetings at Merrill Lynch and Lehman Brothers. Both firms are technically insolvent. Believe me, you need to act. Sell everything you own before it's too late. The two months that followed the Lehman bankruptcy were a financial catastrophe for the country and for me. 
Obama and Biden were elected in a climate of economic fear, and I strongly suspected that at least a few Wall Street insiders had known it was coming. By the Friday after Election Day 2008, I was back on board with Biden, taking the train to Wilmington for a meeting with the vice president-elect to discuss the transition. I was lugging eight copies of a massive VP Bible, a comprehensive manual for establishing and running a vice presidency, which Ted and I had put together. It included organizational charts, budgets, schematics of office space in the old executive office building, and descriptions of previous VP models. Walter Mondale was credited with defining the modern vice presidency, as Jimmy Carter had empowered him to play an advisory role in virtually every area. Dan Quayle had carved out a couple of areas of responsibility for himself. Al Gore was considered a hybrid involved in all...